This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiru wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyiyati amalina من يهده الله فلا مضل له من يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم أما بعض فإن خير الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار. Come to the next hadith. Tremendous hadith from the ينبع of the Sunnah of رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. Anas ibn Malik, may Allah be pleased with him, said the Prophet says صلى الله عليه وسلم. كَفَى بِالْمَرْءِ كَذِبًا أَنْ يُحَدِّثَ بِكُلِّ مَا سَمِعَ It is enough to constitute a person as being a liar. A person is considered in Al-Islam to be a liar if he speaks about everything that he hears. كَفَى بِالْمَرْءِ كَذِبًا أَنْ يُحَدِّثَ بِكُلِّ مَا سَمِعَ So if a person... Everything that he hears, he mentions it. And this is enough to constitute him as being a liar. Similar to this hadith, there's a word into the hadith that said, is it enough? It is enough for a person to have a sin. Kafa bil mar'i ithman. It is enough as a sin that a person speaks about everything that he hears. So we have two narrations saying two different words, but for the most part, it's the same thing. It is a warning of being from a person who you hear news and you're quick to spread the news, shed the news without weighing it and without taking a religious position that would suggest you send it out or suggest that you conceal it and so forth and so on. Before explaining the hadith, it's really important. This famous hadith of the Prophet ﷺ was collected by Imam Muslim in his Sahih. Imam Abu Dawood, Al-Hakim, and Nisaburi as well, Ibn Hibban, and others. In Sahih Muslim, this hadith is in there. But it's in the introduction of Sahih Muslim. It's in the Muqaddimah. So Imam Bukhari, he doesn't have any introduction. He just starts off... Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and then he goes into the first hadith إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ And Imam Muslim on the other hand he has an introduction like you find in most books this is important he has an introduction and in that introduction he's talking about the science of hadith before he gets to the first hadith in the chapter of Al-Iman in the introduction of Al-Imam Muslim's book, Sahih Muslim, there are authentic hadith and there are weak hadith. 
So as a student of knowledge, you have to know that. Because someone will come to you and take a hadith that's in the introduction, the muqaddimah of an Imam Muslim, and say to you, in Sahih Muslim, there are some weak hadith. And he's talking about the introduction. And Imam Muslim himself knew that in the introduction of his book, there are weak hadith that he put there. And there are authentic hadith that he put there. And Imam al-Bukhari, and Imam al-Tirmidhi, and Imam al-Abu Dawood, Throughout their book, there are weak hadith that they knew are weak. They were not relying on those hadith. They would put that hadith there to show that one narrator narrated from another narrator. And Imam al-Tirmidhi himself, at the end of the hadith, would say that this hadith has some issues. He was just trying to show a point. So for the regular student of knowledge, the Muslim who just says, Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim are the two most authentic books after the Qur'an, and that's enough for me, then alhamdulillah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But it's upon the student to take it a step further. Someone will come today and try to make you doubt about the authenticity of the sunnah, and they bring shubahat to you. Things from the Qur'an the sunnah that will make you doubt your religion. Because if you don't read, how are you going to push that stuff off? Because you don't read. You want to do the right thing, but it's not enough wanting to do the right thing if you don't know what you're doing. So in the muqaddimah, in the introduction of al-imam Muslim, this hadith comes. And there's no doubt that this hadith has some issues in terms of its authenticity. No doubt. No doubt about that. And that's why the majority of the ulama of al-hadith, they said that this hadith is... Um, hadith that's mursal that a tabi'i is narrating on the prophet and from the prophet so in the chain of narration is a missing link the companion is not there so if the companion is out of the chain of narration and there's a tabi'i, the people who were learning from the companions, if he's narrating on the Nabi is a da'if because the chain of narration is broken so the majority of the ulama the aksariya and those scholars who are awthaq, they are more stronger and they're more thicker than the ones who said that this hadith is authentic, they said it's a problem. And if you go to the books of Al-Ilal, you're going to find this hadith in there. But despite it being graded as being mursal and as such not authentic, although it's in Sahih Muslim, in the Muqaddimah, there's some great scholars who nonetheless still said it's an authentic hadith. From them is the great scholar of Islam, Al-Imam Ibn Abdul Barr, tremendous scholar in Islam. He said that this hadith was an authentic hadith. Al-Imam Ibn Hajar, Ibn Hajar Al-Asqalani in Fathul Bari, said that this hadith that we're dealing with is authentic. He's from the ulama al-Hafiz of Al-Islam, as well as his Sheikh al-Sakhawi, in a book that he wrote about Mustal al-Hadith called Fathul Mughith, he narrated this hadith and said it's authentic. And others, and others. Al-Imam Al-Sanani in the book Subul Al-Salam. And Al-Albani during the contemporary time. So, Ikhwani, pay attention to this. The hadith, there's some niza' between the scholars. Seems like it's not authentic. But some of the scholars said it was authentic based upon the many chains of narration. But it appears to be weak. And Allah knows best. 
Second thing, and this is important. The Hadith said a person is a liar if he speaks about everything that he hears. This is important. A person, it is enough that he is a kazab, a liar, if he speaks about everything that he hears. It is enough of a sin for him that he speaks about everything that he hears. The scholars in explaining that portion of the hadith clearly show us it is haram in the religion of Islam to be a blabber mouth, a motor mouth. Everything you hear from people, you're telling the next man who comes to you. That's against the rojula of Al-Islam. You're not a man when you do that. You don't have the qualities of a man. Women do that. They make tharthara. You're one of those. Every time you see someone, someone has something to say, you don't weigh it. You just can't wait to tell the next person. That's a bad quality in Al-Islam. So what's the meaning? He is a liar if he does that. The meaning of it is clear. If a person wakes up in the morning, listen to this, he's going to meet people from the time he wakes up until the time he goes back to sleep that night. This is my first time meeting you people today. I was in Liverpool. I met people in Liverpool today. I'm meeting you today. From the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, you're going to meet different people. And they're going to tell you things. It's going to be on the internet. It's going to be on the news. It's going to be in real life. It's going to be in text messages. It's going to be what you read in the newspaper every day from the beginning of the day to the nighttime. You're going to meet people and hear what they have to say. Some of what they say is true. And some of what they say is not true. So if you're a person who talks about everything you hear, you are kazab because you're lying. If you're one of those people, the person says to you, Hey, la ilaha illallah. Anybody who says subhanallah wa bihamdihi 100 times, he'll be forgiven for all of his sins, even if his sins were the size of the ocean. That's the haq that you heard from that man. That is the truth that you heard from that man. And then someone else says something else. He said, alhamdulillah, yarhamakallah. That's the truth. So if he went and told someone, he tells them the truth. The Quran and the Sunnah, something happened, and it's real. doesn't only have to be in the religion. It was snow on the ground today, I heard. They said that on the news. Snow on the ground. Look outside, it's snow on the ground. But what about those other kazaboon that we have to deal with? We live in a time of liars. This is the time of a kazit. The time people lie for real, for real, because they mean it. And just the time where people are loose. Just say anything. Just say anything. And that's not the way. So if a person talks about everything that he hears, then it's a sign and indication that he's a liar. The Muslim is the person who, when he hears something, no matter what, if it's not in the Quran and Sunnah, he hears it. He looks at it and says, does this benefit me? Does it concern me? Someone comes and says to him, hey, fulan, such and such and such, fulan. Okay, he just told me about this brother. Does it concern me? This doesn't concern me. I'm not talking about it to anybody because it's not my business. That man, he stole this. That man, he apostated. That man, he's LBGT. That man, it doesn't concern me. You're not trying to marry my sister. I'm not trying to borrow any money from, doesn't concern me. I don't have to tell anybody.
Somebody tells him something. He listens to it. And he finds, oh, this does concern me. This is beneficial knowledge. So it's benefit, he'll tell somebody. It does concern me. It is harmful knowledge. It's harmful information. He doesn't tell people. Someone tells him something, he says, I don't know, beneficial or harmful. I'm going to leave what I doubt for what I don't doubt. I'm going to be quiet about it. Today, today, the vast majority of people cannot control their tongues. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he's from the Odi of Allah. He used to point out his tongue and he used to say, Awradni hadha al-mahalik. This tongue has put me in situations that are going to destroy me. That's Abu Bakr Siddiq. The vast majority of people can't control their tongue. And when we talk about the tongue, Ikhwani, the kalima or the kalam, the kalam, speech. Speech in Islam is a big thing. We're not here to talk about the importance of speech in Islam. But your words, there's a great responsibility connected to our words. And if there was anything that deserved to be in prison, it's that tongue. Whoever believes in Allah on the last day, let him speak good or let him shut up. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. Because the person doesn't ever say a single word except that it's going to be written against him or for him. And then he may not even think that the word is important. The Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the second part of the hadith, in the Rajul, يتكلم كلمةً من سخط الله تعالى لا يلقي لها بالا فيهوي بها في نار جهنم سبعين خريفة. It may be that a man will say some words he doesn't consider how serious it is. Another hadith said he didn't think it would reach that level. He didn't think it was serious. He thought it was simple. Thought it was hayin layin simple. A man will say a word from that which angers Allah. He doesn't give it any consideration. Because of that one word, he gets thrown into the hellfire 70 seasons. What's that word? Someone comes to him and he says, halal, haram. He doesn't know anything about the deen. Talking about halal, haram. He doesn't know his elbow from his ankle bone. And he says, he's a kafir. Someone wants to know. Hey, this brother, we want to invite him to our masjid. Maybe he can give a talk. With what do you think? He says, he's a hizbi. Where'd you get that from? I heard the people say that. Or, he's not with me. Or, I saw him at that masjid. Yahi, just be quiet if you don't know. The honor of the Muslim is sacred. You can't talk about people like that. The man says a word. He doesn't consider it. He gets really upset. He gets upset. He says, may the curse of Allah be upon me. He feels remorse for what he did. He feels bad for what he said. May Allah curse me. He didn't give it any consideration. And it's from those things that Allah is displeased with. As a result of saying that word, he gets destroyed. Seventy years. And the opposite can be true. A man can say a word that he doesn't consider it. He doesn't think it's that important. But that word, that word is from what pleases Allah. The man was riding with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And his horse began to buckle and buck. And his horse threw him over and he fell and hurt himself. The man said, Ta'ith shaitan May shaitan be cursed because the horse threw him down. Ta'ith shaitan Prophet Muhammad heard that word and told the man, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
don't say may a shaitan be cursed. Lanaka ida kultaha ta'azama hatta yako mithru jabal or mithru bay. What I can call Bismillah. Lanaka ida kultaha tasakhara shaitan hatta yako mithru dhubad. Don't say may Allah curse shaitan when you kick your foot. You're carrying a coffee and it falls and you say, Shaitan be cursed. Or some other words. Some people say, MF, oh, whatever. People say all kinds of stuff. Don't curse Shaitan. Rasulullah said, if you say, curse of Allah be upon Shaitan, because this thing happened, then Shaitan becomes big like a mountain. And he says, I made him say this thing that he said. I made him look at me and give me all of this attention. As if shaitan has the ability to make the horse do that. Shaitan didn't make you kick your foot. You just got big feet. And you were not paying attention. That's why you cooked your foot. But if you say, Taisa shaitan, you make shaitan bigger than his reality. All you have to do is say, Bismillah. He cooked his feet, Bismillah. Cook his foot. He drops the glass, Bismillah. Whatever it is. So the word is an easy word. He says, Bismillah, before coming into the house, shaitan can't eat with him. Shaitan can't sleep with him. He says, Bismillah, before he takes off his thaw, before she takes off her thaw, shaitan can't see the aura. So the word may be from what Allah is pleased with and get tremendous reward on the other side. So the kalima in al-Islam is serious. We have to be more cognizant of what we say and being in control of our tongues. The companion, Mu'adh ibn Jabal was from the scholars. He said, Ya Rasulullah, is Allah going to hold us accountable for what we say, for everything we say? He made a dua against them and said, Thakiratka ummuka ya Mu'adh, may your mother lose you. But that didn't mean that. It means you should have known better than this. How can you ask that question? You're from the ulama of the companions. All of those ayat of the Qur'an, وَمَا يَلْفِذُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيبٌ He doesn't say a single word except the angels are recording all of that stuff. You should know that, Mu'adh. You're from the people who memorize the Qur'an. You know that. He said, may your mother lose you. He said, are people thrown into the hellfire, Mu'adh, on their faces for anything other than what their tongues put forward? with their tongues put forward. The man was traveling with some of the companions and that man had a wet dream. He had a wet dream. So when he woke up for Fajr, he had to make a ghusl. But the man had abscesses and sores on his body and he didn't want to put water on his body. He asked some of the people who didn't know, can I just make tayammum? Because if I put the water on my body, it's gonna fester and have it. They said, no, there's water. As long as there's water, you have to make a whole ghusl. So the man made the whole ghusl. They started traveling. The wind was blowing. The sand got in his sores. The trip became difficult. The man got a fever, abscesses, sepsis, all of that stuff. He was poisoned. He died. As a result of a fatwa of people. When they arrived into Medina, they told the Prophet what happened. They said his face became red. And he said, like he said to Mu'adh, ummuka, may your mother lose. He said, 
you people killed him. May Allah destroy you. But he didn't mean that. He asked Allah, Oh Allah, anytime I make dua against someone for my ummah, make it a reward for them. He wanted to show them what they did. You people have killed that man. May Allah destroy you. Verily, the ingredient for ignorance, when you don't know, then all you have to do is ask someone who knows. Why are you giving fatwas like that? Why are you giving fatwas? So we find people who don't know anything about the religion, they, 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 they're being opinionated. Yeah, the religion is not like that. Does that mean that the Malvi Sahib is the only one who can talk? The Sheikh? No. You talk based upon what you know. But this religion is not like that. Everybody has a right just to say something. Like this thing with Corona. This new, this new strain that's coming. It's not for every Tom, Dick, and Harry, I'm a Beckett and Zayd in our community to talk about stuff. You talk about what you know. You got your report card? You talk about your report card. How many days were you absent? What's the name of the teachers in the class? You know that. That's connected to you. But here you're talking about, you're talking about COVID-19 and the different variants of COVID-19 and you didn't even graduate from primary school. And I'm not saying if you don't graduate from primary school that you're going to go to Nar of Jahannam, right? Because Prophet Muhammad didn't graduate from the primary school, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the point here is, men antiyahi, who are you talking What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It is enough that a person is considered to be a liar if he speaks about everything he hears. There was a companion, his name is Sufyan Ibn Abdullah. May Allah be pleased with me. He said, Ya Rasulullah, tell me something that I can ask you of and it will protect me. Ya Sumini. He said, say I believe in Allah and then be upright. And then he said, Ya Rasulullah, ma huwa akhwaf shay'in takhsha What are you most afraid for me of? What is it that you're afraid? Is it the jang? Is it the jinn? Is it shaitan? Is it the Yahud? Is it Munafiq? What are you most afraid of? He said that the Prophet ﷺ took his hand and he put his tongue out and said, This is what I'm afraid of the most for you. This is what I'm afraid of the most. Because people don't give it its rights. A man came. He told him, Ya Rasulullah, give me some advice. He said, Hold your tongues. Hold your tongues. Whoever believes in Allah on the last day, let him say that which is good or let him be quiet. So the tongue has mas'uliyah, You have the issue of lying. You have the issue of exaggerating. You have the issue of talking about people. It's not true. You have the issue of talking about everything and you're not discerning. It's a lot of stuff connected to the tongue. A lot. A lot. Ghiba, namima, all of those all of those things. Now concerning this hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is really important and that is, this is important. We're living right now in the era of the millennials, social media. The very nature of social media is 99.9% of the information that comes to you from social media is not true. 
It's coming from people who you don't know. Pay attention to this hadith. In Islam, how was the sunnah protected? Through the knowledge of hadith. And this is how we know every single hadith that anybody narrated, there is a grading on that hadith. And why is that grading there? The more you know, the more you are equipped to appreciate it. Allah Azawajal, He preserved this Quran and He preserved the authentic sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Ala Alihi Wasallam. Both of them are preserved. As it relates to this issue, the Muslim is the individual who, especially the one giving dawah, he's a person who is going to pay attention to what he hears. He's going to pay attention to what he hears. Today, if a person is majhul, majhul, we don't know who he is. We don't know where he came from. We don't know where he studied. He just popped up into the masjid. This dude just popped up. We've never seen him before. We're not going to say he's a munafiq, he's with the MI5, he's with the CIA. We're not going to say that. But we're going to say we won't let him get on this mimbar and give a khutbah until we find out where did he come from. So a man is unknown in the chain of narration. That narration is weak. And Prophet Muhammad's hadith, sallallahu alayhi wa if someone is in that chain of narration and he is much hul al-hal, you don't know his situation. We don't know him. His name is Ibrahim ibn Ishaq. But we don't know which one. Even if his name is similar to this other great scholar, we're not taking him because we don't know who he is. Does he know what he's talking about? Is he a religious man? Listen to me. Let me repeat this again. In the hadith of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the hadith of sunnah, you have to have the chain of narration. So-and-so said that so-and-so told him that so-and-so told him that so-and-so told him that Abu Huraira said this. So the scholars come and look at so-and-so and look at this and look at that. And they're able to tell this man is strong. This man is weak. That man is a liar. That man used to be strong. That man used to be strong in this one and that one. But he's weak in that and that. Allah protected the sunnah like that. And if a hadith comes... And you don't know someone in that chain is weak. So in your religion, you don't know people, where they come from, what they're talking about. And you just take, nope. And that's why the great scholar of Islam from the Tabi'een, Muhammad ibn Sirin, he said that this knowledge is your religion. Be careful and beware. Look who you take your religion from. The knowledge of Islam is your religion. You guys have been saved 15 years ago, 10 years ago. You in the masjid, and the guy speaking was a rough, tough extremist. And the way that he was speaking appealed to the emotions of a lot of the youngsters who didn't know. As I told you last week, some of our youngsters, if you scream loud, you get a good khutbah, good lesson. Some of our youngsters, if you're theatrical and you do something, take your coat, your cloak, your coat, your shirt, your hat, throw it in the air, or throw something up and shoot it, boop, 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 boop. People say, wow, wow. It's not about what the person is saying. So back then, some of these people would get up and they would challenge people in government, members of parliament, 
They would challenge people with knowledge. They would challenge and be rough and tough. And our Shabab would say, wow, look, this is like Salahuddin al-Ayyubi. This is like Abu Dujana. This is like Umar. When in reality, it was closer to Abu Lahab and Abu Jahl. And some of those Shabab got in trouble because they went to ISIS and some of them got killed and some of them in prison because they were young. Am I here to apologize and say, let's be weak? People slap us in the face? I'm not here to say that by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying that. I say we're going to be Muslims, but we're going to be Muslims based upon the reality of our situation. Not like the Khawarij who were young in their age and very wild in the things that they were saying. So take your time. Take your time. You know what I find very amazing? How some of you, some of you, when it comes to the thing like the um, vaccine, when it comes to things like COVID real or not, you actually listen to what a lot of these people are saying. And all you have to do is say, many of these people are just like you and I. They don't know anything about medicine. They're just like you and I. And you listen to it because it makes sense to it. You look at them like, as if the guy is a, is, is, is a master. Find yourself a Muslim, a scholar in medicine. And ask him or her. Let him break it down to you. That's what I'm saying. Don't listen to the regular people like that. What's wrong with you? You know the flu jab? How many of you got the flu jab? How many of you got the flu jab? Nobody. That's your hawk not to get the flu jab. I didn't get the flu jab neither. But I didn't get the flu jab because I never got the flu jab. That's all. I'm not going around telling people, and the flu jab is this and that. You're going to get chicken pox and this and that. And the flu jab, if you get it, they're going to put, you're going to, they're going to control your mind. Why, why would you listen to people like that? That's all I'm saying. Go to a Muslim who knows what they're talking about. And then the Muslim who is educated and informed one. You listen to what they say. And they're against the flu jab. Then you take what they said to another Muslim who knows what he's talking about. Until you can get convinced. The same way we do in our religion. This hadith. It is enough for a person to be a liar if he speaks about everything that he hears. Some said it's authentic, some said it's weak. Are you going to just sit there and say, I, I, I'm just on the side of the ones that's authentic? If you want to do that, because you're forced to do that, I'm going to be on the side of the ones who say that it is weak because they're the majority and they're more thicker. That's knowledge. Because you have to make a way to make tarjih. The other person says, nah, I, I, I'm going to take the side that the hadith is authentic because I'm going to study what both sides say and see why they're saying that. That's knowledge. That's knowledge. No one throws the dice like that. Is the niqab wajib or not wajib? Well, I saw that brother over there, his wife wearing niqab, I said it's wajib because she, that's not knowledge. That's not how you make decisions. You put the situation in front of you, you look at it, you weigh it, and you make a decision. The deen and your dunya, but especially as it relates to the deen. So concerning this issue, Ikhwani, when it comes to speaking about issues and people, especially people, the da'i, 
And every Muslim, but especially the Da'i, he's the person who has to make a tathabbut. He has to make a tathabbut and a tabayyun. He has to, in two issues, he's speaking about the religion, make sure what you're saying is true. That it's authentic. And you're not lying on Allah or his messenger. You're not misrepresenting. You're not misleading people. You can't just narrate just hadith like that because you heard them here and there. Now, some people are going to make mistakes. That's just the nature of what we're dealing with. For many years, how many people have said the hadith of Umar radiallahu anhu, the ether, where he was putting his daughter in the sand and she was cleaning his beard. Many of us use that hadith, thinking that hadith was authentic. But then the information came to you saying, no, that hadith is not authentic. You come and you clean that up. That reflects negative on Umar. That never happened. We could use weak hadith when it's other than the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as long as it doesn't compromise the haq, halal, haram, aqidah and it doesn't reflect negatively on a companion. So if Umar buried his daughter, that's negative. Unless you have delil he did that, don't say that. He punched his sister in the face. He came to the sister's house she was reading the Quran with her husband. When he came, he didn't know that they were Muslims. So the husband got up, ran in the closet. Umar grabbed his sister and, and manhandled her and punched her knock and made her bleed. We're not going to narrate that hadith. Because it reflects negatively on him, beating up his sister. We're going to say, don't say that hadith. So, hadith are narrated where you may think that it's authentic, but you come to learn. So you have to have that minhaj, that... If the thing comes to you and it's clear that you were making a mistake, you come by, you rectify. That's it. But don't be one of those people who read from these books, Tablikh and Nisab, from Jamaat Tablikh and these other books like that, and you just are narrating hadith. And I don't say that to put anybody down from Jamaat Tablikh. Brothers from Jamaat Tablikh should stop that thing that they're doing. Just getting the book and reading the book like that. And there are hadith that go against the Tawheed and go against the religion and go against the Sunnah. So Allah mentioned in the Quran very quickly, Ya ayyulladhina amanu in ja'akum fasiqum bi naba'in fatabayyanu in tusibu qawmin bi jahalatin fatusbihu ala ma fa'altum nadimeen. Oh, you believe. If an evil person comes to you with some news, talking to you, they come to you with some news, evil, then ascertain and find out the reality of that news before you deal with it because you may unknowingly hurt someone. So there was a tribe called Bani Mustalaq. They accepted Islam. They got their zakat together. And they were waiting for the Prophet to send someone, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to get the zakat from them. And they were happy to give the zakat. One of the companions, his name was Walid ibn Uqba. May Allah be pleased with him. May Allah be pleased with Walid ibn Uqba. Radiallahu anhu. Walid was sent by Rasulullah to go and get that zakat from Bani Mustalaq. So when they saw him coming, they got on their horses and they started riding to him. And their swords were glaring. And the way their horses were running, he remembered in Jahiliyyah, he had some problems with this tribe. And the way they were coming, he thought they were going to get him and his people. So they turned around and ran away because of what they thought. When they got to Medina, they told the Prophet ﷺ, they came to kill us. 
They didn't want to give the zakat. That didn't happen. Rasulullah made preparations. Let's go deal with them. And when the Prophet sent the people to go deal with them, he saw those people coming. Because when he didn't send anyone, they said something's wrong. So they said, let's go to Medina. They came. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam greeted them. Why didn't you give my man that I sent to you the zakat? They said, Ya Rasulullah, he never came to us. Came and he left. And then this ayat was revealed. Some of the scholars of Islam said that this suburb of Nuzul is weak. And some of them said it's authentic. Seems to be authentic, inshallah. Oh, you believe if someone comes to you with some news, ascertain as to its reality. Evil person. This is not calling Al-Walid ibn Uqba a fasik. It's saying just generally speaking. All of the companions, all of the companions, they have idala. All of them. All of the companions, no matter what they did, if they died as a companion, they're going to Jannah. Not any of them were fasik. None of them. It goes against the definition of being a companion. So Allah wasn't calling Walid ibn Uqba a fasik here. He's letting us know. Anybody comes to you with some news, especially the evil person, ascertain as to his reality. Can you read the newspaper, The Sun, and believe that? Can you believe CNN and Fox News? Who sits there and actually believes that stuff? Because it's all, they all intertwined, they're all together, and they dumbed everything down just to control people. All of them. And that's why it's the same news. And then when our brothers from Palestine were getting what they were getting recently, it's as if it's not happening right now. That stuff is happening right now. They're being killed right now. And when it happened, on the level it happened a few months ago, you saw the way the coverage was. The poor, poor dog of the Zionists. It was frightened when this happened and that happened. And then all these people get killed in, in Masjid al-Aqsa and it's made to appear as if they're terrorists. So when it comes to the media, Ya Abdullah, when it comes to the media, your minhaj has to be, I'm not believing anything these people say. Unless it comes to me and the religion of Islam says it's true or the life that I'm living right now says that this thing happened and it's true. But if it is not true, you have to be careful. Which goes to show, this is important, Ikhwani. You get a um, text message that impresses you. It impresses you. And you send it out right away. That's not the minhaj of Al-Islam. There was a French girl who they wanted to show this French politician lady how evil and bad she was. She's an older white lady. And he had her face looking droopy and real... It was, um, what do you call that again? When they mess with your face and stuff? What do they call that again? Huh? Yeah, man. Huh? Printed. No, no. What do you call it when you... Photoshop. You can Photoshop people's bodies and things like that. They Photoshopped her face and it had her looking real droopy. Real droopy. Like extra, extraordinarily droopy. But it looked real. So they had her face because she was against 
the hijab. She was against it in France. She is against it. She's a far-right politician. And then it had, like, an Algerian girl with hijab, a young-looking girl. If you look at the two, the Muslim girl with the hijab looks, looks much better. The old lady, it said something like, no wonder she needs the hijab as ugly as she looks. Something like that. It says something like that. When you look at it, you say, oh, man, this is good. This ugly lady. And you send it off. Brother, that's photoshopped. That's not real. And although you, although we feel, not you, we feel, when something happens to these people, we feel Hey, we're happy that something will happen to these people. That man who wrote those, drew those pictures against the Nebi, didn't have the accident. And you shouldn't talk about the prophets and the messengers like that. You shouldn't disrespect our prophets and our messengers like that. What's wrong with you? No one's sitting there praying for something like that to happen, but that's evil to be disrespectful to a whole ummah of people and not care and then say that, that's democracy and freedom of speech. And then when something happens like that and we say, you see, a classic case of chickens coming home the roost. Now we get in trouble for saying that. We get in trouble for saying that. So my point here is, even if something happens to make us feel like what happened with the Prophet them, when the Romans, when the Romans defeated, defeated the Mushrikeen, the Muslims were happy because the people of the deen, the people of the book, they were happy that it happened. So something may happen in the world today. As Muslims, we're happy that this thing happened because it's under the umbrella of Islam, not something crazy. It's under the umbrella of Islam. Although you're happy, don't be too quick to send that thing out because it may not be real. It may not be true. The Muslim has to make an effort every day don't send anything out that's not real. That's your job. Because if you don't, you're a kazap. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're peddling in misinformation, disinformation. Look what happened in the Quran. Surah Al-Mu'minun. Prophet Muhammad was coming back from the trip, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Our mother, Aisha, had to go to the toilet out in the desert. So they took her out. She went out by herself. It was time to get up and go. Everybody left. And Aisha was out in the desert. And they left her out in the desert. When she came back, everybody was gone. She sat in her place. One of the companions came to pick up the end, to pick up the rear. Make sure nobody was lost. Make sure nothing was lost. He came, he saw Aisha. The wife of the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, in the middle of the desert. Rasulullah left her, the community left her. It's not your wife, my wife, your sister, my sister, your daughter, my daughter. That's a big musibah. Brother's daughter got hit last week, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. That's a big musibah. That's a big musibah. May Allah Ta'ala give that baby rahmah and help them parents uh, dealing with that. This is the wife of the Nabi of Islam, in the middle of the desert. The man said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. This musibah. So that's why he said that. The wife of the Prophet here. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. What about the one who comes and says the wife of the Prophet is a kafirah? The wife of the Prophet committed zina. That's a musibah on your religion. You're a kafir. You said that. That's all he said. He made his horse come down. She got on a horse. 
He didn't ride in front of her. He didn't ride behind her. He walked that horse for the whole journey till he got to Medina. When he came into Medina in the broad daylight, people started looking. So, oh, look, look, look at that. Broad daylight. Everybody's, look, look, look at that. The hypocrites started saying, Aisha's having an affair with that man. That's why they're coming in like this. And there were some of the companions who, when they heard this, they mentioned it to others. The hypocrites, they lit and ignited the fire fitna. The Muslims got ready to have civil war. They got ready to fight in the masjid. One man over here, he said, hey, you a munafiq. And you guys are helping the munafiqeen who said that. We're going to get all of you. Those people said, no, no, you munafiqs. We're going to get all of you. And they were going to fight over that. The Muslims. Prophet Hamami came to see, he said, who will help me? Who will help me against the man, meaning the Munafiq, Abdullah, Ibn Sulul? Who will help me against the man who says this about my wife? I only know good about my wife. And they, they, they said, we'll help you, Ya Rasulullah. Man said, no, you won't. You're not going to do anything. He said, you're a Munafiq. And you, you're protecting the Munafiq. We're not Munafiq. You're not going to do anything. Though. And they went back and forth. They got ready to fight. Prophet Muhammad was on his member, and then he told the people, leave it, leave it, leave this thing, leave it. And he got off of the member, because it's going to be a fitna. Anyway, from that long story is the lesson of this thing right here. Be careful what you say and how you take the news. Be careful what you say and how you take the news. If talaqawnahu... Remember when you took it. Bi al sinatikum. Wa taquluna bi afwahikum mali salakum bihi'an. Wa tahsabuna hu hayyinan wa hu indallahi azim. Wa lawla il sami'tumuhu kultum ma yakunu lana natakallama bihada. Hada buhtanun azim. Tremendous eye. Remember. When some of you took the news and you took it with your tongues. Normally when you hear news, you take it with your ears, you hear it. But some people, the news comes and they spit it right out. How? Soon as you hear it, hey, did you hear this thing like that? Hey, listen, is it true? What does it have to do with me? Where did you get that from? About two weeks ago, someone said that I died. Did you, did you hear that? Somebody said that I died. Wallahi, uqsim billahi. And one of the brothers called another brother, called another brother. They started calling me. I was in the madrasa in Leeds. So I couldn't answer my phone. When I got out, I saw a call from my wife. I called her. She said, oh. They said, somebody came to the house and told me you died. How are you going to tell that to my wife? How are you going to tell that to my kids? Your father died. Now, I respect the brother because it was love, and they were trying to make it to sub, but they were trying. But don't go through my wife, man. Don't go to my wife. That's the last person you go to because 
maybe she didn't hear that news. And then when we tried to get to the bottom of it, we guys get to the bottom of it, couldn't figure it out. And it was at the same time that Mike Tyson, our brother, man, like guy, Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson said, I died when he was experimenting with some of the things that he experiments with about two weeks ago. And he said he died when it happened. But what he meant by that is he had an out-of-body experience, but they wanted clickbait. So they said, Mike Tyson dies. So when you wake up, Mike Tyson is dead. Yo, you heard Mike is dead. Did you hear Mike Tyson die? Take it easy, brother. Just read the thing a little. Read the thing again. You misread it. And I got those text messages that Mike Tyson died. So be careful. Be careful. The ayah said, remember when the news came to some of you and you took it with your tongues. And you said about it, you said that which you had no knowledge about. You thought it was a small thing what you did and what you said. But it was a big thing with Allah. And only when you heard it, when you heard Aisha this, Aisha that, he's this, he's that. Only if you heard it, when you heard it, had you said, we shouldn't be talking about this. We shouldn't be saying something like this. This is a big thing. And this is a great slander. So instead of people taking it that way, they was fitting in the community. So, Khwani, in concluding, let's do a better job, inshallah ta'ala, as it relates to what we say, the da'i and the du'a. And you know, this thing with a jarh wa ta'adil, it's really a joke that people, sheikhs, sheikhs and these students were talking about that mess, that nonsense. Innovation in and of itself, using that to see who's on the sunnah, not on the sunnah. Show me where the, the, the ulama of Islam did that in the past. Show us where that comes from. Billahi alaykum. Where does that come from? But one thing people should have been doing, put that jahwa ta'adil on the side. They should have been paying attention to who is mature and who is jahil. That's something we have to do in our religion. Who's known, who's not known, who's competent, who's not competent, who can do it, who can't do it. And that's, that has to be a part of our religion. Then the Prophet tell the people, Hadithu an Bani Israel wa la haraj. Bani Israel, Jews, Christian, al-Kitab. If they tell you something... Don't believe it, don't disbelieve in it. Don't believe it, don't disbelieve it. If it's supported by the religion, believe it. Not supported by the religion, reject it. Religion was quiet about it, be quiet about it. That's our religion. That's our religion. So we're going to stop here, inshallah. Big jihad is required to say about people and things that which we know and not what we think. Iyakum. Beware of every form of speech that will cause you to apologize. Okay, Akhwani, if you guys have any uh, questions, any taswibat, corrections, ta'liqat, ta'liqan, you could do that. That can end the kumshay. How do you correct what? Everybody 
I think has the ability to discern between nice methodology of dealing with people and rough and tough, inappropriate, abrupt, harsh dial in dealing with people. So if you want to correct anybody, you have to look at who he is. Is he older than you? Does he have position in the society? You have to consider all of that because it's going to help you to determine and to dictate how you're going to give him advice. That's your mother. It's your father. That's your teacher. That's the imam sahib who's at Hafiz. That's the police. That's whatever. But for the most part, everybody can discern dawah and advice that's gentle and not nice. And it smells like the aroma of someone who's trying to get someone to change. The given nice dawah is a delil usually many times. Someone wants change. Rough and tough dawah is a sign that a person is doing it for himself. He's trying to put the person down. Put the person down. So have hikmah and advising people. Any more questions, Ikhwani? When we hear things from people, our parents say things that have a lot of wisdom in them. They never give us ayat and hadith, but they give us things that have a lot of wisdom in it. So if what's being said has truth behind it and truth connected to it, there's no problem. No problem. But if it's just hocus pocus and it doesn't have any reality to it, no wisdom is um, khurafat, then this is a problem. And as I mentioned, we're living in the time of kedhib and dajjal. This is the time where uh, there's fraud and the dajjal, dajjal, extreme lying, a lot of games. In America, they had uh, Thanksgiving recently, last Thursday in November, Thanksgiving. What is that holiday, that celebration? is a celebration that the people went to America, found the Native Americans, and they had more guns than them, and they shot them and killed them. So they gave thanks, Thanksgiving, for being able to annihilate these people and take their land. And then one of the presidents of America who we grew up liking, his name is Abraham Lincoln. They told us that this dude freed the slaves and they had us liking this guy. They literally had us liking him. Because they told us he freed the slaves. They told us that. They were brainwashing us. Anyway, the other day they had this celebration, Thanksgiving. How can you celebrate such a celebration after what happened to the peoples like the Iraqis, the Iraqis, a million people are going to celebrate that. People are going to celebrate what happened to African Americans and slavery. Kashmiris, uh, the Holocaust, people are going to celebrate that. It's tasteless. You can't do that. But because, as I told you, untruths, this celebration, Christmas, Easter, People don't care, is it true or is it not true? Because that's Christianity. It doesn't have to be true. This has to be something we're going to have a party about. Islam is not like that. Muslims shouldn't be like that. The Muslim is the person who's going to say, where you get that molet from, man? Where'd you get it from? Where'd you get that molet from? And don't get upset. Because you know there's no difference between you and that molet and Thanksgiving and Christmas. Why are you getting upset? When we were just talking about Thanksgiving, Christmas, you was with the program. But when the motive gets put in the equation, now suddenly you can't, you can't see straight anymore. The Muslim is not like that. People come and tell us 
do this, do that, celebrate this, celebrate that, and do this, do shit. We're going to say, where does that come from? If people can't support that, they can't present it, we don't do it. Our dawah, that's Mubarakah. What do you think about that? He's a hisbi. He's a... What asl from the sunnah did he go against for you to say that? No asl. The sheikh said it. We feel that way. We feel that way? Come on. Any more questions, Ikhwani? Any more questions? Prophet gave the definition of ghibah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, al-ghibah tu dhikruka akhaq bima yakra. Dhikruka akhaqa fi ghiyabihi bima yakra. Ghibah is mentioning something about your brother in his absence that he doesn't want you to mention. The man said, ya Rasulullah, but what if what I say is true about him? My brother, he has bad body odor. My brother is stingy. My brother, he has asperges, asperges, and it's difficult dealing with him because he got asperges. He doesn't have social clues. So I say that to someone. Prophet Muhammad said, if what you said is true, then there's ghibah. And if it's not true, you have slandered him. It's worse. So even if it's true, he's not there. And there's no religious reason to say that. If there's a religious reason, then you can say it. Hey, the brother got by the odor. We probably want to tell him, you know, he should put on some deodorant before we go in here for the janazah. So you, there's a reason you said that. But I'm just saying it. He has body odor. He's this, he's that. He said, that's ghibah. And if it's not true, then that is buhtan. And that's what the ayah said. Subhanaka. Hadha buhtan azim. Glory unto you, Allah. This is a great, great buhtan. Great Slander of Aisha. As for Namima, right? You said Namima. Namima is when someone tells you something about someone and then you go and you tell them. He said that this, this, that, that. Carrying tales to make fitna between the people. So this guy said, that brother, he did this, 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 this. He goes and he tells them. Knowing full well. This is why I said the Karam, the Karima has mas'uliyah. Ghiba, Namima, so many issues, lying, this, that. He says to him, that man said that you were this and that. Then that guy going to get mad and say, go tell his mother, his father. Go say, and then you messed up the relationship. But the opposite is permissible. Prophet Muhammad allowed one man to go tell a lie to another man to make peace. The opposite. It's not lying in three things, and one of them is when you go to a person, you know they got problems, and you say, man, I was talking, I was with the brother last night, and he was really sad at how the relationship has, you know, soured between you and me, between you and him. And the brother was like, what? Seriously? Like, That's what happened. He was sad. And then that make him more apt to call up and to see him, and then they cool out. And... So you can lie. So that's this between Giba and Namima. Okay, Khwani, we're going to stop right here, inshallah. Ta'ala. I want to welcome my brother Jamal back, Jamil back, Jamil back from uh, wherever he's been, and welcome all of you brothers as well. Hada wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabiyyina wa ala ali wa sahabi ajma'in. Where is brother uh, Musa? Oh, that's Musa over there. Ahlin. Okay, Khwani. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.